miracles and etc. And you'll see that I put beside each one of those just a simple phrase. There's much more content in the message, but a simple phrase to help describe that gift. And then in Romans chapter 12, we, we talked about the seven basic Christian gifts. I thought it was helpful and heard from many that it was helpful to begin giving some pictures, if you will, on the platform of people who can help facilitate our giftedness in the church. Men and women who have been given some, some, some spiritual leadership, if you will, to help guide our congregation through this process that as, as we continue to preach, we find out that there is an investment. The, begin, the initial investment is really time and effort and desire. But as we kind of go through that process over the next few weeks and months, we're going to discover that it was well worth coming on Sundays and then following some of the protocol that we're, we're putting in place right now so that our church can reach its full potential and become a healthy body. And so today we're going to move down to point three, begin our message today, the gifts, how they are developed. In order to do that, we need to turn back to Ephesians chapter number four, and we need to begin in verse 11. And so as you look at that with me, let's begin our study this morning and and look at it. It's, it's fantastic, really. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse number 11, as we talk about these gifts being developed. Notice it says in verse number 11 that he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Just for a moment, if you would take, uh, just take, take this with me, learn this with me. We have been given gifts. The, the, that the God himself has, has given to the church spiritual gifts. God gives to the church spiritual gifts. But he also gives to the church, are you ready for this? Spiritual leaders. They're gifts to the church. In fact, in verse 11, he begins to describe those leaders as some apostles and some prophets. There can be across denominational lines some discussion about that, but I choose to, to personally take Ephesians chapter number 2, and we find a great verse there that helps us to further understand these apostles and prophets he's speaking of in verse number 20. If you take a chance to glance back a couple of chapters, you'll notice that the church was built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So we, we, take, we take to it here at Gospel Light that these apostles and prophets were men of old, men in the past, apostles, the 12 apostles, the prophets, those who wrote much of the Old Testament. And not to say that there could be some discussion and, and folks that have different differences of opinions, but there is something we can agree on about apostles and prophets, and that is this. The same authority that they preached with, the Word of God, is the same authority that I come to you today with. I don't come to you today with my opinions or my thoughts. Neither did the apostles or prophets. They came with the word of God. They preached on the authority of the word of God. And I come this morning as a gift to the church to preach upon the authority of God's word. Not my opinions, not what I think, not what I've heard, but what the word of God says. Amen. And then he talks about these evangelists. Evangelists, soul winners. People that God has given to the church to... To, to bring people to the gospel, to bring people to Jesus Christ. And God has given those to the church, evangelists. All of us have the responsibility of the Great Commission, but some are gifted. Some are gifted leaders in the church, bringing people to Christ in evangelism. 
And then he speaks of pastors and teachers. Not a pastor necessarily over here and a teacher over here, but pastors and teachers. A pastor-teacher. And this pastor-teacher here is someone who is given to the church as a gift. In fact, I announce to you today that, in case you didn't know, I'm a gift to you. A ball-headed gift. (laughs) A 50-year-old gift. Some of you say, well, I don't know if I want this gift. Well, too bad you're stuck with me. (laughs) Sometimes you just can't return the gift. You know, it's just the gift. And so I've been gifted uh, to this church as a pastor teacher. Now, why does God gift the church with spiritual leaders? Look at the next verse. For the perfecting of the saints. God has gifted the church with spiritual gifts, but he's also gifted the church with spiritual leaders. The pastor teacher is to help you to be mature, to help you to discover and develop your spiritual gifts so that you can use them, you see. Now, that word perfecting is somewhat of an intimidating word. If you're like me, I'm like, I don't know if that's talking about me. Perfection is not my, uh, that's not my forte. I'm a sinner. I, I make mistakes. I got a long way to go. So, preacher, what is it speaking about there? It's the same Greek word for mature. For the perfecting of the saints. For the maturing of the saints. There is a process of maturity. This thing we call sanctification. This journey that all of us are on. Discovering who we are in Christ. And growing in grace. And the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So there's a maturing process. And God gives spiritual leaders to the church as a gift. So that they can mature in their faith. And then notice it says. For the work of the ministry. Oh, no, Eric, that's, that's, that's you. You see, you're the worker. And, and then these other guys that get paid around this place. That's why we pay you guys to, to do all the work. That's not what the Bible says. In fact, there's enough scripture here to let you know that, you know what my job is? My job is to get you to do your job. You see, my job, if you, if you really study scripture, the pastor is in his sweet spot. The pastor teacher is in his best spot we can, when he can spend a, a large majority of his time praying and studying God's word. And then God gives to the church people with gifts. And he gives a pastor teacher who has spent much time with God and much time in the word and much time in prayer. So he can begin to perfect the saints, mature the saints so they can do the job they've been gifted to do. Trust me, I'm not working myself out of a job. I'm working myself into a place where I can be more effective in what God's called me to do. You see, the fact that I would would be busy working my way around here like a chicken with his head cut off is really not the best thing for the pastor to do. The best place for a pastor or pastors, our elders to be, is not in a place where we're running busy, 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 trying to do everything that needs to be done. Not that we're not willing. But when your church is gifted with hundreds of people with talents and abilities by given by God, and they're not using those, and the pastor can become very tired and worn out. And we see many pastors today in churches today where people come and think their gift to the church is sitting in a pew. And somehow we convince ourselves we're doing God this really big favor by sitting in a pew. Hey, God, how you like this? I'm sitting in my pew. 
And God says, forgive me. I, I, I say this with love and compassion and a smile on my face. <laughs> so what? So you're sitting in the pew. It's about the same thing as the pastor sleeping in. How many of you guys would think that something's wrong if the pastor sleeps in? Where's pastor today? Oh, he's sleeping in. Just tired today. Thought he'd just sleep in. Some of you would think, what in the world? This is pastor's, this is where his giftedness is. Preaching on Sunday morning. This is God's giving him a platform, a place, a job to do in the ministry. And he's sleeping in. About like you sitting in the pew and that's it. I'm just sitting. I'm sitting. I'm just sitting here. And God says, you're, you're not doing what, what I've called you to do. It's, it's the work of the ministry. You see, what pastor's trying to do is teach you how you can do what God's called you to do. And this is what Scripture's teaching here. For the edifying, another word for edifying, for the developing of the body of Christ. So these gifts are to be developed. That's the word we're using. The edifying of the body. The the developing of the body of Christ. The maturing of the body of Christ. We want our church to become more mature. Grown up. And we're going to see that laid out this morning in scripture. So how do we do what God has called us to do? Well there's five principles here in this passage that we're going to learn this morning. Are you ready for number one? The first one is this. It's found... Uh, here in just a simple principle and it's called the principle of desire now these are things you can learn as you study giftings and giftedness and as you uh, as we begin to bring more information to you which should be 7 14 21 days two three weeks away you're going to notice here that number one the first way that you can discover your gifting is to ask yourself this or one of the ways rather is to say what do you like to do What are you good at? Think about it. Remember last week when I told you that on Sunday mornings, the alarm clock has no power over. I I don't need it. I don't need it. I wake up before it goes off. Why? Because I love what I do. I love it. You say, man, man, hey, honey, that that guy up there, I've never seen somebody love what he does more than him. Good. That's good. I love What I do, I love it. I wouldn't want to do anything else. Now, tomorrow morning, snooze. And snooze again. (laughs) And snooze again. (laughs) Use all my list of to-do, my to-do list tomorrow. It's pretty intense. And it's okay. And I'm, 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 I'm gifted in some areas. I'm not so gifted in other areas when it comes to some of this work. But I do my best. And usually it all ends up working out for the best. Not really for the best sometimes, but it's all good. But I'm so excited that some of you now are are going to be giving, getting in that place where God has you in the ministry. But on Sunday mornings, man, I love it. And by the way, it's not just Sunday mornings. Don't get me wrong. Please stay with the context of the message. Please do not allow a a a a, a uh, an opinion uh, to creep in that would say, "I guess our pastor just wants to work an hour and a half a week." Not at all. No, not it's not at all. Those of you that know me know better than that. I drove a bus twice this week for the high school and the college. I've got a CDL. I'm blessed to have a CDL. I use it for God's glory. That was 10, 15, 20 hours of work right there. Just driving a bus this week and waiting at games, away games, and being gone a half. 
I love that stuff. And, and, and there are times when that, that needs to be in my life. And there are other things that I'm busy with. I'm not trying to work myself out of a job. I just want our church to have a good judgment seat. I want you to know what it's like to be, to be in the place that God has called you to be. And what that'll do is that will free up pastors in our church to have more time to do what they do best. And that is prepare to speak, teach, preach, and counsel God's word. And if I could put 34, 40 hours a week into that instead of 8 to 10, there's no telling the kind of difference it would make in my life, in your life, and in this body. So hopefully we're connecting with that. So there's the principle of desire. Then there's the principle of discovery. As you discover your gift, you endeavor to do it. You see, we discover our gift when we begin to do it. And all of a sudden, here's what happens. It, it, I'm telling you, it will happen. Trust me, this will happen. All of a sudden, people begin to come up to you and say things like this. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. You've made a difference in my life. I'm so thankful for what God has called you to do here. You're just doing a wonderful job. Thank you for what you do for my children. And we begin to discover as we begin to do what God's called us to do that this really is where we are effective and useful in our gifting. This principle of discovery as people begin to notice, acknowledge, and thank us for what we're doing for him. Then there's the principle of development. Development. I love this principle. There's a word in gospel light that's going to become more prevalent, relevant, more meaningful. Can I give you the word? Here it is. Ready? It's the word training. It means that you'll be equipped with information, with the classes, with maybe some seminars. You say, oh, preacher, wait a minute. You mean I've got to take some time or read a book? Wow, to invest a few dollars, maybe a few hours into what God's called you to do? Can you imagine how with greater effectiveness you could do if you weren't just thrown into a position? So many church members are just thrown into a position Learn it on the job. Figure it out. We've all been there, including myself. And what happens is, when we don't take the time to develop that gift, what does Scripture say? Scripture says, study to show yourself approved unto God. Study. Learn. What about the Scripture, in, I believe it's Peter, that says, stir up the gift that is in you. Stir it up. Take it and, and use it and apply it. But wait a minute. Also, develop it. I want to ask, and we've been doing some of this over this. This is a, a sermon series that I found is really cool because although I, I get to preach and teach, I also get to introduce you to some different aspects of our ministry here. And I want to ask Nathan if he would make his way down the stairs. I want to introduce you to our administrative pastor for just a few moments and take a two-minute timeout. I'm going to come right back up and take, take up right where I've left off, okay? What Nathan's going to do is take a couple of minutes, grab a mic, and share with you what it means to be a, a worker in the ministry. We use the volunteer because nobody makes anybody do anything. This has got to be a volunteering of God's people as they become aware of what God's called to do. So he's going to explain to you, not preach, but just give you a little information like we did last week with the deacon. So Nathan, share with us a little bit here today. Uh, good morning. Like uh, Brother Eric said, I'm the administrative pastor here at Gospel Light. Uh, Nathan Fellers is my name. And uh, I just kind of wanted to tell you a little bit about how this volunteer process works. You know, we wanted to kind of establish something where 
it's a little bit more organized. You know, it's not, you know, how do I become a volunteer or, you know, like, I have no idea how to do it. So we want to give you the process, okay? So the first step is the volunteer application. This tells you, tells us a little bit about yourself, your likes, just like kind of what direction you think you're going in. Um, and this is for current volunteers as well as those that are wishing to become new volunteers. Uh, these applications are at the information desk in the atrium, and they're also a lot of the ministry leaders already have these applications, so you can reach out to them and get that as well. Now, following the volunteer application, then you'll receive an email following the next step, and part of those next steps is the background check, the child safety training, especially for those that are involved in our children's ministries. And once all that is accomplished, and then, you know, Brother Eric's been talking about these spiritual gifts, and there's at the end of all this is the big spiritual gift test and find out what your strengths and weaknesses are and where can we place you in the ministry and what you like to do. Now, at the end of all that, you know, you ask yourself, what do we all need one more of? And that is a T-shirt. We all need one more T-shirt. So I kind of want to show you some of the T-shirts that we're going to have for the individual ministries. You'll get a T-shirt at the end of this, and uh, it'll give you something to wear during your ministry. You don't have to, but hey, everybody likes wearing a T-shirt, so... We're going to give you that. But we're excited about what God's doing with this process and looking forward to see what happens here at Gospel Light. Isn't that great? See, that's information maybe you didn't have that you have now. And it's not. Listen, I, I want to point this out. Sometimes we think, man, boy, there's, there's a little bit of investment of time. And, and also, by the way, there's a little small fee attached to help us pay for the T-shirt and a couple of other little things. Very small. I mean, minute, just several dollars. Nothing big. But I think if we begin to look at this the way God would have us to, we, we, we have a desire now to want to invest in our ministry. We see the value of spending a few dollars, a little extra time. That volunteer application probably takes about two minutes of your time. Is it new? Yes, it's new. Is it going to be helpful? Incredibly helpful. As we go through a little bit of a process to be able to assimilate workers into the ministry. And then also, as God maybe matures you, and as there's a time where you transition from a ministry after a year, two years, five years, this can happen. Then you're transitioning into a more effective place as you've matured and grown in the ministry. Some will serve in one place for years and years and years. Others may find themselves serving and then maturing and developing into other places of ministry. This is all part of an incredible thing called the body of Christ and organizing the body of Christ and working together as we develop our gifts, as we stir up the gift of God that is in us. Training. It's exciting. A seminar. Uh, maybe we, we load up uh, all of our children's workers and we find out that Dennis Rainey and, 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 and Family Life is having a seminar on how to rear, rear children. And, and we, we make an announcement and say, listen, it's, a, it's, it's $30 or $40. We're going to load up and go to Little Rock all day. And somebody says, hey, you know what? That would help me in raising children or in working with teenagers or working with children. Hey, honey, let's go to that. Let's develop our gift a little bit more. Somebody goes to Lifeway Bookstore. Can I get an amen, Brother Chris? Amen. amen. The general manager of Lifeway is here. He's a member of our church. And they go to Chris and, and they say, uh, hey, Chris, listen, uh, I'm doing this at the church. Could you help me find a book? Is there a book here at Lifeway? Chris will say, sure there is. There's several books on that. Let me, let me give you a, a list and maybe the top seller or one that he would recommend or someone else has recommended. You say, yeah, but that book would cost some money, maybe $10 or $8 or $12. It would, but would that be a worthy investment into the gift? That God gave you a few dollars just to get 
more information as to how, are you with me? It's exciting, you see. And so I'm trying, to, I'm trying to help you understand how you can apply one of these principles to your spiritual gift, desire, discovery, development. What about dependence? The gift, or rather the principle of dependence. You see, your spiritual gift must operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because your gifts are supernatural. They're supernatural gifts. They've been given to you by the Holy Spirit. And because they're supernatural gifts, guess what they come with? A supernatural power. This is amazing. I do not want to be preaching this morning in the flesh. That would just be my my abilities to to speak, to give illustrations, to, uh, to, to, to be funny, to be humorous, to be serious, to, to know get techniques, you know, how to walk down, how to keep people's attention. And then I, I finish the message and everybody walks out of the building and says, Bob, that was a fine job, Eric. Good job of preaching. We really enjoyed your technique. You're pretty good at this. And all of a sudden it becomes about me. When it's not about me. You see, Spurgeon put it like this. He said... That when someone leaves the auditorium, it should not be what a speaker, but what a savior. What a savior. You see, and when I'm operating in the giftedness of the Holy Spirit, which is teaching and preaching, and when I am operating the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God, the effectiveness of what God's called me to do changes everything. And so I want you to depend. We want you to depend. God wants you to depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit for your effectiveness. And then there's the principle of deployment. The principle of deployment, which is simply defined as putting your gift to work. Putting it to work in the church. Finding a place in the church where you can become effective. Where, where your principle of discovery and development and dependence can be, can be used in an effective way at Gospel Light. You know, I'm thankful today. Someone said, I think it was H.A. Ironside said this. He says, it's a strange thing when someone has the gift of preaching, but no one in the audience has the gift of listening. It'd be a bad sign this morning if everybody used this as nap time. I, or maybe if it was just that, you know, I'm, I'm starting, I built a church and after 23 years, the only people coming are my, are my wife and kids because they have to. You see, I, I believe when God gives a gift, he'll also equip that man, that woman with a gift as he works it in the ministry and uses it to be a gift to the church. And then people want to participate. They want to follow. They want to listen. They want to serve with that person in that ministry. Exciting times. Exciting things. Next, once our gifts are delivered and described and developed, then finally they are displayed. They're displayed. The gifts displayed now we are seeing something happen. What are we seeing? What is on display when everybody in the church, listen to this, this is so good. When everybody in the church sees the church, what do they see? Now, let me ask you a couple of questions before I go into this. And I want you to be honest. And I want you to participate. And I, I don't want you to feel like you're complaining or griping or being negative. I don't want you to do that. I want you to be honest. We are a church family. Let's be honest. How many would say that they've ever had an opinion of the church overall in, in maybe here at Gospelite or let's just church in general across America that we've seen 
what it's like to be part of an unhealthy church, a church that's, that's, that's not healthy, a church that maybe has even, all right, how, how about this? Have you ever been hurt by the church? Raise your hand. Have you been hurt by the church? Be honest. I have. I've been hurt by, in church, by the church. Anybody ever been a part of a church that hasn't been healthy, a church that's split, a church where there's been hate and gossip and criticism, a church where there's been racism, a, a church maybe where, l- let me just say this, church. Our country is not primarily in the shape she's in because of sinners. We point our fingers at those outside the walls of our church for the condition of our country. And the truth of the matter is, is we should not be so shocked about what's happening around the world today. What we should be more concerned about is why aren't we making a difference? Why aren't we making a difference? Why why aren't we having a, a, a bigger impact on this world? I do feel like in Hot Springs there's something happening. I've talked to several of you about that. You've responded positively that, you know, Eric, I sense there's a spirit of of revival in our city. Pastors coming together, loving one another. And I agree. So let's look at this passage. With that said, look at verse 13 of Ephesians 4. The gifts displayed. Till we all come. Well, let's read verse 12 just so it'll flow better, okay? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ... Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's a lot there. But can I tell you basically what that means? When we all put all of our gifts together, the body begins to mature. And what happens when the body begins to mature is it begins to look like its head... And everybody tell me, who is the head of the church? Jesus. So when this body begins to mature and everyone is operating in their spiritual gift, guess what gospel life begins to look like? Jesus. And if this church and churches all over America begin to look like its head, Jesus, we begin to make a difference. But until we look like Jesus, we're an unhealthy body. We're a body that's operating in in, in 50% of its potential. We're a body that's all constantly fixing leaks and, 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 and dealing with burnout and trying to figure out a way for it all to work out because we're not all operating in our spiritual gifts. But when we do, according to this scripture, we become, number one, mature in stature. What does that speak about in verse 13? Perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Do you know what this is all about, church? It's it's about being more like Jesus. It's, it's It's not about being more like you or me. It's not about man worship or 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 woman worship or 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 talents and gifts and abilities. It's about pointing people to Jesus. And when our church is maturing, it is maturing in the fullness of Jesus Christ. And people are becoming more like Jesus. I love songs about becoming more like Jesus. Let them see Jesus in us today. That's the goal. That's the goal. May people see Jesus Christ in us. Someone says, I'd rather see a sermon than to hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk the walk than merely show the way. 
The eyes a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Find counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the ones who live their creed. For to see the good in action is what everybody needs. I can soon learn how to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lectures you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do. For I may misunderstand you and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. You see, church, we're not going to accomplish a whole lot in the four walls of this building. But when we leave this building as a church, because the building is, the church is not the building, it's the people. And as we go into this community this week, if people can see Jesus in us, that's when we make a difference. So they mature in stature. Number two, they mature in stability. Look at verse 14. It speaks of a people that have become mature in stature as being people who are children. There are no more children tossed to and fro. They're not carried about with every wind of doctrine or by the slight of men or cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. These are people that are now becoming mature in stability. They know what they believe and they know why they believe it. They can give an answer. It's not about, you know, I've just gone to 15 or 20 different churches in Hot Springs that just can't seem to find a place. Very immature. Very unstable. He said, yeah, but just, you know, I stay until somebody offends me. You're going to leave this morning. Somebody's going to drop the ball this morning. I mean, it doesn't take very long if you're in a, in a, in a room with a bunch of sinners for somebody to offend you. You say, well, I, I, say, I stay until there's something I don't quite understand. Or, Well, then that'll be a couple of weeks. Because sometimes it takes weeks and months and years to study and completely understand certain things. Here, here's the truth. The truth is God wants us to find a body and get in it. And grow and stay. He wants us to do that. There are times when we need to change memberships. There are times here where it's been healthy for someone to leave and go to another healthy body in town. There may be times when somebody will leave another church and come. That, that can happen, but it should be very rare. When people are going all around town, revolving door, it's an unhealthy town with unhealthy churches. And that's a bad sign for that city. Those are unstable churches. What we need to do is get stable and get healthy in a body that's healthy and grow and mature in stability, you see. I love this. And it doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything. And I'll talk about that as I close. It doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything or understand everything. But it means this. We're, we're growing. We are learning together. We are not deceived. We are not blown away by every, every situation. Number three. We then become mature in speech. Look at verse 15. And by the way, we'll cover this more next week. But speaking the truth, here's our speech. Here's what this church, this healthy body does. They speak the truth. I'll tell you one thing over there at Gospelite. They do preach the truth. But how do they do it? They do it in love. They speak it in love. So that people can grow up in him in all things which is the head, even Christ. You see, there's one thing about our Savior, Jesus Christ. He set the example, didn't he? He was the, he was the picture of love. 
He died for the sins of mankind because he loved us. Does he hate sin? Sure he hates sin. Sin's what nailed his son to the cross, but he loves the sinner so much that he's willing to die. How much do you love sinners? You see, sometimes I feel as if people can come to a church and after just a few sermons or maybe one or two sermons or being in the congregation, they just feel like they're not accepted, they're not loved because they're not as mature as the church is. And so what ends up happening is no one can come under the, 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 the assembly of uh, the, the gathering of believers without feeling after a short period of time like they just, they, I just, I'm not good enough. No, no, that's not it. If you knew us... <laughs> If you knew really who we were, all of us are broken. All of us have sin. All of us have problems in our lives. If the Holy Spirit's convicting you of sin, please know this. You're in a church that loves you, and we want to see you grow and mature and leave that sin behind. I got to pray with three people this morning who came down the altar to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and turn from their sin. Those girls said, we just felt like you loved us. We felt like this was a place of love. We didn't feel condemned and we want to come. We know what we're doing is wrong. Please help us. That's good. That's good. We want people to feel that freedom here to to come and, and to discover who God's made them to be, not who Satan's convinced them they are. There's so much to that. We'll go into more of that later, but the, the truth, the maturing in speech, we're to speak the truth in love. You see, if you speak the truth without love, that's brutality. But if you speak in love without truth, that's hypocrisy. Truthless love and loveless truth is a sign of immaturity. It's a sign of immaturity. But when we speak the truth in love, now that's a healthy church. That's a healthy body. Number four. We mature in service. And this is what really we're getting to, isn't it? We all want to mature in service. The whole sermon series ultimately is about service. It's about what has God made me to do in the ministry? What is my work in the ministry? So pay attention to this because this is huge. I'm going to read you a verse that is like, whoa, dude. It's a whoa, dude verse. It's a verse that even if I read it slow you're probably going to say, what does that mean? Like I did. <laughs> so let me, let me give you a, a little idea here. Look at verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together, I like that, and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working In the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Wow. That's an incredible verse, but it's there's so much there. So in conclusion, I want to propose to you today what this verse is speaking into and what it's teaching us today. Notice it spoke of a joint. Did you see that? Did anybody see that word, every joint supply? Let's go to the body one more time since we've been using the body as our example. Let's use the arm. Is the arm part of the body? All right, so let's take the arm. The arm has a forearm, right? It's my forearm. And then the arm has, in my case, a massive bicep. 
And that's why I, I wear a jacket and a shirt. I, I, I told my wife, I'm just afraid to wear a short sleeve shirt. It just, it, it's intimidating. And, uh, <laughs> boy, that was a joke for sure. I promise you. That was a major joke. Just in case anybody said, oh, he's full of pride. No, I'm, I'm really just being silly. I promise. <laughs> so I've got a forearm and I've got a bicep. But what makes it effective? A joint. A joint called the elbow. Oh, what a blessing. I've never talked about the elbow. Mr. Elbow, you're getting some PR right here. I mean, the elbow. Who talks about elbows? Me. Because without this joint, my forearm and my bicep don't work real good. But I've got this thing called a joint. I, I want to call it today for the church, flexible harmony. Flexible harmony. What is flexible harmony? What is the joint that makes everything fitly joined together in the church? What is the joint inside the church that makes everything compacted and work good? Love. Look at the last word in the verse. L-O-V-E. Without love. We're not going to be fitly joined together. All of these gifts are not going to work unless we have a joint that's flexible, where we can work with one another's personality differences. Uh, you know, the, 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 the A personality that sometimes can be a little gruff, uh, but, but we're we are okay because we're all different, right? This is the joint that works together. Love, this is that which is that causes us to be compacted together. This is what causes us not to want to be inferior or, su- or rather to not to look at someone with inferiority or even someone with superiority. This is where we all look at each other and say, we're all important. This is what causes us to say, instead of saying this, I can't believe Amber sang this morning. What makes her so special? You know, I mean, they haven't asked me to sing lately. So this attitude begins to arise in our hearts about that or this or the other or whatever. Because we get stiff, don't we? You ever, you ever had spiritual arthritis? This is what it looks like in an arm. How y'all doing? <laughs> Eric, put your arm down. I can't. It's got arthritis. It's just stuck right out. My elbow is not providing any flexible harmony. Spiritual arthritis sets into the church and people start looking like this. They sing like this. Love lifted me, love lifted me. Victory in Jesus. Sing songs about Calvary. and What's that to remember? Come back tonight, 5 o'clock? For what, another church service? See, we get stiff. We get spiritual arthritis. We become unaffected. But when we have love, when we have love, We're not jealous. We're not envious. We're for the whole body. We could even say good things about the liver. The kidneys are a blessing. (laughs) It's all good. Some parts are noticed more than others, but the bottom line is this. Every part is important. Even the elbow, especially the elbow. So all that to say, I think this thing of love is something we need to keep talking about. Because it is what makes the body work. The key is love. 
if you and I are to become a church like this, I mean, this is a good church. I mean, this is a church that is, is, is going to turn a city upside down for Jesus Christ. This is a church, prayerfully in Hot Springs, thank God that I can say this now, after all these years of, if I could, if I could uh, say it like this, honestly, of just in this area being somewhat of a backslidden preacher, but coming to a place where I realize Hot Springs is stronger when every church is stronger. Hot Spring is stronger when pastors in the church in the city feel like that we're not the only church. Because you know what? There's not enough room in this building to fit everybody that needs to go to church. So what I need is the 40 pastors that I prayed with on Thursday. I need all of them to do well. I need all of their churches to be full today. We don't go to Thursday morning prayer meeting and ever ask each other how many we had Sunday. Because that's not what we're after. We're more concerned about the church of Hot Springs doing well. That's all of us. And so as I've matured in that, that's what it is. It's just a maturing. I've just gotten, God's grown me. I've gone out of an immature pastor, and I'm getting, I'm not there yet. Pray for me, but I'm getting there. And as I mature, here's what I find. I find that I love people more. I love people in the body of Christ more. Whether they're in this body or another body, I love them. And that's what helps me to keep a good attitude. That's what keeps me positive. That's what keeps me encouraged because I recognize that we're not all the same, but we're all part of the body. And so I ask you this morning, I tell you this morning in closing, you're gifted. And I want you to find out what God wants you to do and get busy doing it. You know why? Because that's my job. My job is to get you to do your job so that I can do my job even better. Every head bowed and every eye closed. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning.